Welcome to YP Connect, a podcast series delivered by YP Gold Coast, the city's leading advocacy group which aims to motivate, inspire and connect future city leaders. In this series, we're talking to passionate Gold Coasters who are at the top of their fields, from CEOs and business leaders to entrepreneurs, academics and health professionals, representing the industries that will drive our economic success now and into the future. My name is Carla Toomer. I'm a YP Gold Coast committee member and journalist and presenter for 1029 Hot Tomato and MyGC. Together with the YP committee, I'll be bringing you six podcasts over the next several weeks, exploring everything from tourism industry development and recovery to building personal brands, pivoting in a crisis and medical breakthroughs happening right here in our backyard. Today, we'll be talking about our mental health, how we consider the world and our role in it is every bit as important as our physical health. And just as we must work to stay physically fit, we must also work to keep our minds in shape. We're excited to hear from today's guest, Luke Foster from Livin, on mastering mental health for professional success. For over eight years, Luke served as a psychologist in the Australian Defence Force, Luke also works as a consultant psychologist for the mental health charity Livin. Luke's role within Livin covers the provision of general mental health advice, overseeing Livin's educational program, Livin Well, and social impact strategy. Also joining me in the studio today is YP Gold Coast co-vice president Martin Garrett, who is a town planner and director of Civity, a company that delivers progressive city advisory and planning strategy services. Thank you both for joining me today and welcome. Thanks, Carla. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Well, let's get straight into it. Luke, you no doubt have seen many parts of the world through your role with the Australian Defence Force. What's the best part about coming home to the Gold Coast? That's that's an interesting question because I'd love you to operationally define home because a lot of people ask me, Luke, where is home for you? And I still probably struggle to to answer that question. I've moved around so much that I probably I probably don't even know where home is, <laughs> even at this age of 30, 35. But I've seen a lot of different places, given my career in the military, seven different postings over almost eight and a half years. So I got to see plenty of Australia. I also got to see plenty of the world, different places like Afghanistan, Solomon Islands, uh, East Timor. So coming back to Australia is always a privilege. I'm not quite sure where home is yet, but coming back to the Gold Coast and living on the Gold Coast for the past 11 months has been a really wonderful experience. You've been loving it so far? I've been loving it so far. <laughs> I won't say it's home yet. I'm still discovering. It's growing on you. It's <laughs> growing on me. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to discover where home is and where home will be forever. But for now, it, it's where I live. So you're a psychologist who holds a master's in business, which is relatively unusual. Tell us about your background. A little bit about my background. So I went to high school in Sydney. I was... A bit of a geek, actually, up until year nine, at which time I probably developed a preference for, for socialising and playing sports. So <laughs> I became less of a, a geek academically and that impacted my grade. So 
I always wanted to go to university in Sydney, but to get into a psychology degree in Sydney back when I was in year 12, which is 2002, a long time ago, you needed a, a UAI of about 97 and I definitely didn't get those grades. So I ended up moving to Coffs Harbour, completed my Bachelor of Psychology with honours at Southern Cross University and straight from university I joined the military as an intern psychologist yeah, right. and became a registered psychologist in the Australian Army and then really, really loved the Australian Army. So I spent the next, yeah, six, seven, eight years in the Australian Army and had a wonderful career. Got to see plenty of different things, got to meet plenty of different people. During that time, thanks to the opportunities of the ADF, I also completed my Masters in Business. A lot of people go on and complete their Masters in Clinical Psychology or Organisational Psychology, but I've always had a bit of a, an entrepreneurial flair, so I decided to do something a little bit different and combine, combine my psychology degree with, with a business degree, and I think it served me well. And how did you end up at Livin? Yeah, it's a good story. So my auntie is actually best mates with Sam Webb's mother, and back when Sam Webb, who's a co-founder of Livin', Back when Sam Webb and Casey Lyons were setting up Livin, Sam reached out to me and he wanted some psychological advice, particularly around the, the educational program that they were building. So he reached out to me back in 2014 and we connected when we were both in Sydney and I've been involved ever since. So I've been involved now for, what, five, six years, almost since inception. Livin started in 2013 I met Sam in 2014 and have been involved ever since. It's a wonderful organisation and in particular I'd love to know what you do with them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what I do with Livin'. I guess a lot of what I do is in the educational elements of what Livin' provides. So Livin' have a educational program called the Live and Well program which is a mental health awareness stigma reduction program and that has certainly evolved over the years and I like to think that I've had some input in the evolution of that program so I've helped to refine that program I certainly deliver that program to a number of different schools workplaces sporting clubs I've a great time delivering that program it's a serious topic but I like to think that living delivers it in a way that is relatable. There's a bit of humour in there. There's activities that people tend to enjoy. So it's a bit of a unique mental health awareness program. There's serious elements to it and we can't shy away from that. But you can also have a little bit of fun when talking about the topic of mental health. So I deliver that program. Also provide general mental health advice to to the team and the, the broader community. Well, we'd love to pick your brain on you some it. of your strategies with in regards to mental health and, and keeping well in regards to your mental health. So firstly, I guess, how important is managing your own mental health? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, you think about your physical fitness. I'm not sure if Either of you have a physical regime that you stick to. Mm -hmm. You both look yeah. relatively fit. So I'm assuming that 
that you prioritize your physical fitness. Definitely. You might wake up each day and you might think, I need to do a bit of exercise because it makes me feel good about myself. Well, the same is true for your mental health. I think you need to prioritize strategies that are good for your mental health and, and that should be at the top of the agenda just like physical health is. So there's a range of different things that you can do to look after your mental health and I think those things need to be prioritised day in, day out. Day in, day out. And do you think people often forget about the mental health because they're too focused on their physical kind of health and well-being? Well, it's interesting because by focusing on your physical health, let's say exercise, for example, it actually helps with your, your mental health. But I'm not sure if people understand the correlation between the two. So I think people are definitely more aware of physical health, less aware of mental health. People can probably explain what physical health is and the fact that physical health exists along a continuum. You know, at one end of the continuum, you can feel physically really well. The other end of the continuum, you can feel physically unwell. Well, the same is true for your mental health. Mental health exists along a continuum. At one end of the continuum is feeling mentally well. The other end of the continuum is feeling mentally unwell. So I think people have a greater understanding of physical health less of an understanding of, of mental health. So what strategies can people be implementing, in particular professionals, to manage their mental health? There's a range of different things. So as a psychologist, I'd love to pull out a prescription pad, write down a, a strategy or prescribe a strategy to you, a strategy that would work for every single one of you. But I think it's a very, very individual thing. What works for me might not necessarily work for you, might not necessarily work for you, might not necessarily work for, for the listeners out there who are listening. So for myself, I love prioritising exercise. Exercise makes me feel good about myself, reduces stress, reduces anxiety, makes me feel happy. I practice controlled breathing day in, day out. Multiple times a day, I'm slowing down, regulating my breathing. Breathing in two, three, pause two, three, out two, three, pause two, three. I practice that for two to five minutes multiple times a day. That helps me to relax. I like getting on the phone or catching up with people who make me feel good about myself. Positive people in my life. Social support is one of the greatest predictors of human resilience. So I love catching up with people and talking to people who make me feel good about myself and I try my best to avoid talking to people who make me feel not so good about myself. I also moderate social media use. You won't find me on Instagram. You won't find me on Facebook. You'll find me on LinkedIn just from a, a business perspective, but I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I used to have Facebook, I used to have Instagram, and what I, what I found was I'd be scrolling through Instagram and there might be an, an initial enjoyment, but it'd get to the point where I'd start comparing myself mm -hmm. to, the, to the lives that I see on Instagram or Facebook and start to feel real crappy about myself. So I decided to delete those platforms. Now, I'm not telling everyone that 
they should delete Instagram, delete Facebook, but just be mindful when you're on platforms like that and you're scrolling through Instagram, for example, and you start to feel crappy about yourself because you're comparing your own life in its entirety to the life of somebody on Instagram, which let's face it, it's an illusion. Mm -hmm. It's just a snippet of that. life. It's a snippet. It's one dimensional. Mm -hmm. It's an illusion. When you start comparing your own life in its entirety to the illusion that you see on Instagram or Facebook and you start to feel crappy about yourself, put the screen down, go and do something that makes you feel good about yourself. So I certainly moderate social media use and I encourage people out there to do the same. They're some of the strategies. The list could go on and on and on, but I I don't want to take up too much of your time. There's a few strategies that I find helpful. But like I said, you've got to find out what works for you recognize what works for you and prioritize that every single day of your life even if it's just 10 to 15 minutes doing something that makes you feel good about yourself so important for your mental health yeah and i think that comparison against others is a really interesting point because i think if you're comparing yourself against your own like where you've been in the last 12 months for example is in my mind is a much better comparison than trying to look at other people in that process i think that's exactly right the best comparison is comparing yourself to who Yourself. To yourself. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Try and improve on the person that you were yesterday. And if you improve just slightly each and every day over the long term, that's a big, big improvement. So I encourage you to compare yourself to none other than yourself. I think young and emerging professionals are often really highly driven, but we think their focus can mean they often burn out. So be interested in your thoughts about how you can balance that drive for success with your own self-care. Yeah, it's a good question. So there's this thing in psychology known as the Yerkes-Dodson law. Have you heard of it before? No, I never have. (laughs) So it's known as the stress curve. Now, people often associate stress with negativity a little bit of stress is actually quite good for performance. So Mm -hmm. I think particularly young professionals, they need to realise that a little bit of stress doesn't necessarily mean that the whole world is falling apart. Too little stress, according to the Yerkes-Dodson law, so the the left side of the bell curve, too little stress and we're unmotivated, we're not not really energised to do things. You know, think about Bob Marley just sitting there floating through life, not getting much done. Hey, he had some good songs. He did have some good songs. I'm probably selling Bob Marley short, but let me rephrase that. Too little stress and we're not motivated to get stuff done. If you look at a bell curve, at the tip of the bell curve, a bit of stress, a bit of arousal actually energises you. You know, if you've got an upcoming presentation, that little bit of stress and anxiety arousal can give you motivation to rehearse for a presentation for example but then on the other side of that stress curve so to the right of the bell curve is what we 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 call burnout we don't want to get to that point so we want to have strategies in place to keep us at the tip of the bell curve and some of those strategies that i mentioned before can keep us there but i think a really good thing for for young professionals and anyone to understand stress can be your friend 
Stress can actually help you to get stuff done. It's not always bad, but we need to understand the tipping point. We need to understand when it's it's going from stress into into burnout. If it is going into burnout, what do people need to do? Well, they need to adopt some of those strategies that I mentioned before. But even preceding that, they need to have an awareness of when it is turning into burnout. Some of those warning signs that could indicate that they're not tracking so well. And what are those warning signs? It could be a range of different warning signs. So they might find themselves isolating themselves, sitting in their office for too long. They might be eating less. I don't know if you've ever been in a period in your life where you've been working so hard that you forget to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. That can be a warning sign. <laughs> Perhaps you're overeating. Perhaps you're not getting enough sleep. You know, you're tossing and turning in bed of an evening. Uh, Perhaps you need to listen to the people around you. People might actually be saying to you, you don't seem like yourself lately. Is everything okay? Oftentimes we ignore those, those comments from other people. Yeah, we're fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But we need to start listening to the people around us. Uh, there's a range of different warning signs and symptoms. But I think the, the best warning sign and symptom to identify if you're struggling or to identify if somebody around you is struggling is any change in what is typical behaviour for either yourself or for that person. So if you notice any change in yourself, in somebody else, that could be a warning sign that you or that other person is struggling. That could be your invitation to, to reach out and explore what's going on with that other person. Could be a, an invitation for yourself to reach out to a, to a friend, to a family member, to a mental health professional. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it leads into our next question about how important it is to become more resilient as individuals in the workplace. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be really interesting to explore that and that, that relationship with balancing stress. So I think resilience, it's I an absolute... term. Uh, I, I don't hate the term. It's just in the military for years, we spoke about resilience and about four years into a study what we found was that there was no operational definition of resilience. So we didn't actually know what we're measuring. We didn't know what resilience actually was. So (laughs) that's a side story that I can talk about (laughs) another time. The military will probably kill me for even mentioning that. But, (laughs) but, but, But it's an interesting notion. Resilience is an interesting buzzword that's hard to define. What was your question again? How important is it to become resilient as emerging professionals? I think it's extremely important. And again, it comes back to those simple things, understanding yourself, understanding warning signs and symptoms when you might not be travelling so well, understanding the importance of self-care, doing things each and every day to look after your mental health. So I think it's extremely important. The thing professionals often don't realise, they think, In order to be really, really successful, they need to sit at their desk for as long as possible. And usually that's at the detriment of doing things things like self-care that are good for themselves. They think, if I step away from my desk, it means I'm not getting any work done. What they don't realise is that by stepping away from their desk, doing things that actually are good for their mental health, 
when they return to their desk, they're more productive, they're more efficient. Just sitting there at your desk, counting the hours, is not necessarily time spent productively. They think, ooh, if I step away from the desk, it means I'm not getting stuff done. But by stepping away from your desk, doing some exercise, catching up with people who make you feel good about yourself, can re-energize you. So when you return to your desk, you're actually more productive, you're more efficient, you get stuff done in a, in a quicker manner. So you would say finding a work-life balance is really going to help your professional life? Yeah, and people struggle with that. They think, I can't, I can't step away from my desk because it means I'm not getting stuff done. They don't realise though but that by, by stepping away from their desk, it re-energises them and when they return to their desk, they're actually more productive and will more likely get stuff done in a quicker manner than if they just sat there at their desk ignoring those really important self-care strategies. So you said at the start you had an entrepreneurial spirit. We're yeah. really interested to know what you think about the importance of setting clear goals, how you set goals for yourself and the relationship to kind of managing your own mental health. Yeah. Goal setting. I think people, people often set the bar too high too soon. So how I go about setting goals, I have a grand vision. It's important to have a grand vision. But that grand vision might not be achievable overnight. So I've got a grand vision, but in order to get to that grand vision, there's steps along the way that you need to tick off before you reach that grand vision. So a great way to, to reach that grand vision that you have in mind is to, is to set small goals for yourself each and every day. It sounds like a cop-out, but but set the bar low. Don't set the bar too high so that the goals aren't achievable. But have small goals that you can achieve each and every day. And if you achieve those goals each and every day, guess what? Suddenly... You'll reach a grand vision. Exactly right. Suddenly you're, you're attaining a pretty, a pretty high bar. Short-term issues can often knock people off off course Mm. um maybe if they don't tick off one of the goals um they're knocked off course and they don't know how to get back on track i guess how do you suggest professionals can refocus and remind themselves about their ultimate vision like how do they overcome these roadblocks that are going to occur i think i think a wonderful way to to stay on course is having good people around you something that that I always do. So I don't do things in isolation. I often have good support people in my life. I talk to people, mentors, colleagues, and if I don't achieve something that I set out to achieve, I have a, I have a conversation with them. And maybe the, the goal that I set for myself wasn't realistic. And I bounce my ideas off people who I trust, who I feel comfortable with. And I... I make sure that that I share my ambitions with with people around me who I know have my best interests at heart. So I think social support is probably one of the one of the best things that that you can do and have in your life. You spoke about mentors. Um, how have you used mentors in your kind of professional journey? Uh, every single day. Psychology, mental health is a complex world. I mean. 
I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep about some of the clients that I've seen in in my military career and some of the stories that that I get shared day in day out in my role with Living. But I get confronted by f- some really really horrific stories and 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 tales. And I've been in the counselling room with some people that have gone through some horrific things. So. I use mentors, supervisors almost daily. I think it's super important to have people in your life that you can bounce ideas off, people in your life that can rebalance you. And that's something that I certainly prioritise. Yeah. And a range of different people too. I mean, some of my mentors are 55 years of age. They're professors. Some of my mentors are are much younger than me you know they might be they might be sporting athletes some of my mentors are just knockabout dudes who provide a bit of light-hearted humor in my life i've got i've got mentors and i've got a diversity of mentors so i think again it comes back to social support and making sure that you're, you're speaking to a range of people that provide different perspectives and how important is it for yourself to have a positive perspective and a positive outlook on life? Does that make a difference? It does make a difference. Having a positive outlook on life is a wonderful thing. To sit here and say that every day I wake up <laughs> and I've got a positive outlook on life is me telling a lie mm-hmm. because some days are really, really hard for me. Some days I struggle some days, if you think about the mental health continuum, that thing I referred to before, one end of the continuum, you've got mentally well, the other end of the continuum, you've got mentally unwell, and then you've got all this stuff in between. Life is full of ups and downs. So to wake up with a positive outlook every single day of your life is unrealistic. There's some days where I wake up and I feel really shitty about myself. And those are the days where I prioritise as hard as it can be, you can be lying there in bed and think getting out of bed today is going to be a difficult thing but it's those days where you really, really, really need to, to dig deep and draw upon some of those self-care strategies that I alluded to before. Almost 54% of people with a mental illness do not access professional support and a large part of that is because of stigma. And there's a lot of people out there that think mental illness is bullshit. But I think this whole COVID experience, if nothing else, some people who think mental illness is bullshit, I'm sure they've had days where they've been sitting at home, they've felt lonely, they've felt isolated, they've been sitting there thinking, God, I wish I could do the things that I used to be able to do, the things that... I like doing, but they're unable to do it. For people with mental health challenges, guess what? That's amplified. Well, that's what they experience every day. That's what they experience every single day of their life. So if nothing less, hopefully, this COVID experience for some people has taught them what it might feel like to have a mental health challenge. So the awareness around mental health has improved during COVID-19? Well, I think for some people who doubt that mental illness is even a thing, perhaps by going through 
this whole coronavirus experience and might have taught them a growing understanding of what it might feel like to have a mental health challenge and might have provided them with a, a growing appreciation, understanding, empathy towards people who experience mental health challenges every single day of their life. I think the facts that you said just before are just astounding. And it's something that I don't think we're aware of uh, unless you are suffering with a mental health illness. Yeah. Almost, 50%, was it? Almost 50% of Australians will experience a mental illness over the course of their lifetime. That's a diagnosable mental illness. So things like depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, specific phobias, anorexia, you name it. So what is a commun- as a community, what can we be doing better to support these people? Knowledge and understanding heals and defeats stigma almost every time. So I think... It starts with mental health awareness and a growing understanding about mental health challenges. I think that's where it starts. Education is where it starts. And are you noticing that in businesses on the Gold Coast, there is more of a focus on uh, mental health wellness and businesses implementing strategies to assist their staff with making sure that they are mentally well? Yeah, I think more people are reaching out to mental health organisations, getting mental health organisations into their businesses to provide mental health education. I just hope they're doing it for the right reasons. What do you mean by that? I just hope they're doing it to actually educate their staff, to improve the well-being of their staff, to create a more mentally healthy workplace. I hope they're not just bringing in these organisations to tick a box. And any advice, I guess, for young professionals before we before we wrap it up? Anything else you wish to add? I just I, I encourage everyone to. Okay, that there's something that I always. People often come to me with a challenge, right? And one of the first things I ask them: if your best friend or somebody that you love and care about was going through the same challenge what advice would you provide to them? Because the, the advice that they provide to themselves, the things that they communicate to themselves, is usually really harsh, negative, unrealistic, unhelpful. People are so hard on themselves these days. Yet when I frame it like that, when I say, if your best friend, if a loved one, somebody that you love and care about was going through the same thing, what advice would you provide to them? The things that they communicate to me are usually really positive, helpful, realistic. So I encourage everyone to be kind to themselves. I encourage everyone to treat themselves like they would treat somebody that they love and care about in their life. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Thank you, Martin. It's been a very informative chat and I hope that anyone that is listening has taken something away from today's chat. I know I certainly have. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.